0: Grow CFO is where finance leaders grow together. Join thousands of like-minded professionals using Grow CFO to access the combined knowledge and experience of the finance leader community. You can join us today at growcfo.net. Hello and welcome to the Grow CFO Show. I'm your host, Kevin Appleby, and today I've got a lady from overseas with me, Susanna serrano Davy. Susanna, welcome to the Grow CFO Show.
1: Good afternoon, Kevin. Thank you. It's lovely to
0: be here. So, Susanna, you're overseas. Where exactly are you this afternoon?
1: Well, I am sitting uh, on a chair in lovely Marbella, which is a small city near Málaga in southern Spain. So I'm a very lucky lady to live here and I still have uh, reach all over the place like you today included.
0: Really, really good there. And I'm looking out the window right now in the northeast of England, and I'm seeing a little bit of blue sky, quite a lot of clouds. And I know if I step out the door, it'll be about five degrees outside. So imagine if you step out of the door, it's about 20 degrees.
1: You don't want to know, Kevin. If I tell you, you will hate me.
0: Anyway, anyway, Susanna, we're not here to talk about the weather in Marbella. You're an accountant. I am. Finance leader and so on. Tell me a little bit about you and how you got to where you are today.
1: Right. Uh, So that's a a very difficult question to answer, I guess, but I'll try and make it super brief. I am originally Spanish. So I, I was born and grew up in Spain, like a normal Spanish person. And at the tender age of 21, I had the opportunity to go to England. So there I ended up going to university, getting married, having children, training as a chartered accountant. And uh, sort of worked my way through uh, first, traditionally, uh, with the training contract, worked for PwC, then other firms. Had my own business at a point when I returned to Spain in 2005, then sold the business, then went back, worked in in industry. I worked for a large organization such as TUI Travel and then Suegis. I... um, then I came back to Spain, sort of worked my way through practice, business, large organizations to the CFO role. And now that I've done all of that, I thought, right, I've got this. I've got the T-shirt. What do I do next? And what I do now is use all of that uh, experience to, to support smaller businesses in their growth supporting entrepreneurs, startups and scale-ups with the business development side and implementing anything from governance to the finance structure to mentoring them, the people behind these projects as, as individuals and professionals, which I think is a really beautiful thing to do.
0: So that that's not just mentoring the finance leader, it's mentoring anybody in the exec team.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, So for instance, in the project I'm supporting at the moment, I spend a lot of time in the office working, building my own team within the finance function, uh, but also privately mentoring the the founder of the business on how he develops himself as a a leader, uh, what kind of organization does he want to continue to build, how does he deal with daily things because he's a super bright uh, capable young man but he doesn't have the gray hairs that I have so together we make quite a powerful team and I do that as well with the other members of the of the management team if they so wish so for instance our CIO he's also a a very capable professional professional with aspirations and and so we have one-to-ones to think about how he develops as well so it's not just about how they do the job and the business itself, but about them as growing individuals.
0: So are you purely sitting there with a, a mentoring hat on or have you got a little bit of a virtual CFO hat on as well?
1: Yeah, I do. I, I I can't stand having a single hat on. So that's one of my pitfalls in life. I love variety and I love projects. So here I am officially the CFO and that's how I uh, I suppose justify most of my charges and my time here, um, but I also I'm that um, ally. I like I suppose critical friend is a good is a good um, description for it as well. I think mentoring it's it's a big word, and things like coaching as well. People sometimes conf- confuse the two. So I have training, I have done training to allow me to also develop that side of the support that I provide. But I think mentoring is great because you can, it's not about telling people what they have to do or what you think they should do that, that would be pointless. Mm. But it's about asking the right questions. It's about um, making them see situations from a different perspective.
0: Right. Because yes. Yes.
1: That helps sometimes um, just find solutions and, and suffer less. in, in, the, in I'm, the
0: I'm a know. great believer that the individual has to come up with a solution by themselves i agree but you can push them in the right direction or you can suggest alternatives they might not have thought of or allow be a sounding board to to effectively look look at a number of options
1: i agree and i think for instance with traditional coaching where the coach is not supposed to put their what you call their 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 opinions or their experience. The coach is supposed to be clearly just a blank sounding board. When you have experience with particular challenges, you can be, I think you can, you can shorten the process because you you don't go around in circles so much. And one or two questions well placed can can mean that person can find their own solutions by going straight there rather than wasting a lot of time and effort.
0: I think that's where the the person that's been the CFO, and as you said, done that, got the T-shirt, is therefore in a brilliant position to be the mentor. Because there's nothing new under the sun. Having said that. been a CFO for a few years. Most of the problems that are going to creep up with the people you're mentoring will have crept up in the past in a slightly different format.
1: I know I know and I think there are different types of mentoring which is probably a posh word for something that many of us have done for years on the job so (laughs) I think you know we may I have mentored over the years my direct reports uh, my colleagues in other parts of the organization because that's what you do naturally when you when when you're supporting each other and I have been lucky enough as well to work with people that have really made me understand what I needed to do to be more effective uh, as a professional and as a person and as a consequence to be more successful and to be happier. So this word of mentoring sounds very, very um, uh, sort of fancy, but it's pretty, it's a natural thing that we can all foster within our daily interactions.
0: What you're trying to do through the whole process is create a really strong finance leader. So mm. I suppose that brings us to the, the question that this podcast is all about today. What makes a good finance leader?
1: Wow, Kevin, how much time do you have? Um, well, well <laughs> as long as you want. <laughs> no, I, I, I have actually thought long and hard about this. And I, I do like thinking about um, existential stuff, professionally and personally. And I think... Ultimately, what makes a good whatever, whether it is a finance leader or a plumber or whatever it is, is you have to pursue, I think, um, your own authenticity. You need to effectively build on what you have as as a person. And, And that means of what I can only tell you what it has meant for me because clearly my experience is different to other people's and my personal style is different to yours. But for me, one of the things I sort of um, battled with earlier in my career is the idea of, you know, a finance leader has to tick certain boxes. So it has to be a super um, analytical person, or it has to be quite serious, or it has to be really focused on results and all of these things that we tend to um, identify or, or relate to a finance leader so I, I, I for me even though all of those things I have worked on or had naturally uh, what has made the difference in my case is to not be afraid to also put on the table the things that are not traditionally associated with the typical finance leader so I'm in my case for instance I'm, I am a I'm a people person, I love interacting with people, I love communicating, and I have really enjoyed going, taking uh, over the responsibility of a new team and transforming stuff, making things happen. And I was very successful in that that finance role because I brought in all those other things that perhaps are not necessarily on the, when you look at the, the typical role profile, when they're recruiting for certain roles, Um, I brought it in because it sort of comes with with me. Uh, So I would tend to say that what makes whoever's listening to this podcast, what will make you a good finance leader is really understand who you are in addition to all the training you have got and make the most of that because that is what will make you shine and will make you also make an impact and enjoy, enjoy your career.
0: I think that's a brilliant piece of advice. And one, one thing that we're very, very conscious of within Grow CFO is that there are many, many skills and competencies that a finance leader can have these days. And to have all of them is almost impossible. So I, agree. I, I think that advice of make the most of what you've got Is absolutely brilliant.
1: Thank you, and I think as well, what for me was being key in that journey of understanding what am I good at and what are the things I'm either not so good at or I just they don't they don't excite me. It's Mm. making sure you build a team to complement you, because for instance, in the last time I I was leaving an organization, I was recruiting my successor effectively. Um, and I was building different, we were restructuring the department. I was super conscious that one of the roles in particular, uh, the, the FD, had to be someone super opposite to me in terms of very uh, analytical, very um, ready to sort of follow the steps because whilst i have done that i know that's not my strength i i i like to do things for the first time and implement them and get them up and running but if i have to do the same thing for for a year every month i just want to jump off a cliff and and die in the process so yeah, i am like that as well that,
0: that, that's why i got out of a line line finance role into management consultancy in the first place i I got fed up with the, oh, it's working day one. We must have the sales number. It's working day three. What's the profit for last month? Oh, it's September. We've got to do the annual budget review.
1: I know. And I think, but I say, if we are realistic, we are in a a market where the job for more than, I, I know very few people that have been, especially in the UK, which is where I have most of my experience. I know very few people that have been in the same role for more than three years. Mm. more than four years naturally we all tend to either evolve within the organization or change organization so it's fantastic opportunity the first year is about uh, exploring building making impact Um, and the second year is about consolidating and really uh, riding that wave as if we were surfing and so my point is that there is nothing wrong as an accountant or a finance leader to recognize that we don't like just looking at the same spreadsheet every month. And, mm. uh, and also, it's an opportunity to help your team grow with you, because you might help them set up new ways of doing things and then hand them over. Um, so, no, I suppose, yes, let's, let's say that you... And now I'm now quite unapologetical about unapologetic. Sorry, I made a mistake there. Uh, unapologetic about um, the things that don't really excite me about about my job. If I have to do them, of course I do them. Uh, but I make sure that within my team, I have those covered. And so, a good finance leader is, I think, be yourself, understand your strengths, uh, make the most of them and be super aware of your weaknesses or your development areas a to work on them because of course i'm still learning and i will continue to learn until the day i die but also when there are things that are really not what i want to develop i i complement that um
0: yeah. with other i think that's it it's and i've grown more and more to look at weaknesses as not a, not as things that i should develop because let's face it if you're weak at something you can spend a whole load of time trying to develop that area but at best you might turn weak to mediocre what's the point um yeah i i think it's if you're going to develop anything in yourself develop your strengths know what your strengths are know what you're good at know what you enjoy Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and find other people around you that can support you in the things you don't want to do.
1: Yeah. If
0: I think to, to, to really shine and be a good finance leader, you've got to find ways of making sure you increase the percentage of your day doing those things you enjoy.
1: I agree. I totally agree. And, of course, you can't take your eye off the ball. You know, deadlines have to be met and the budgets have to yeah. Yeah. All of that stuff needs to be done. But um, if you're not true to yourself, then I don't think you can be a good leader or, 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 or really shine in what you do.
0: Mm. So uh, that's that's looking at your your own particular strengths. And Susanna, you're a people person. So this is probably an easy question for you and part of leading is is bringing the team along with you. Mhm. Mm-hmm. How would you how, how do you generally go about that? Okay. Well, um
1: I I suppose with my team I I have I have had the opportunity to work in many different teams in England, in Spain, and with um, overseas teams in India. So the way I approach bringing people on the journey is, I think, first and foremost, recognizing that they're individuals to begin with. Mm -hmm. So I am the kind of team leader that whilst I have high expectations and, and, and the quality of the work that the team produces I like to think that is high because I I have high expectations of myself and therefore my team I always put them first in a way and so I think it is important with your team to especially earlier on when you take responsibility over a new team or you have a new direct report to really invest time in understanding them, how they see their their role, what are they suffering in terms of, um, you know, barriers they might find along the way. And that can sometimes be really difficult when we're in that hamster wheel, as I call call it, that you have back-to-back meetings all day and your to-do list is longer than you'll ever be able to complete. So for me, I've always made time for that because in, in my opinion, it, it pay, there is a payback if you put the people, the people first. I, I think it's also important to be willing to listen and really listen because I'm actually, naturally, I'm the terrible listener. Oh, I'm the worst listener you could, you could get. And this is one of the uh, development areas that I have worked hard mm-hmm. on developing because I consider that it's absolutely key. And it's very easy, especially earlier, or in my case, again, I speak from my experience. I, I had this complex of being this heroic woman that would come and rescue my team and implement better processes and, and make a, my, my office a happier environment and all of this. But actually, if you think you have all the answers to begin with, it can be a really lonely ride. And it can also mean that you don't get the, you may get something that is in your view, super perfect, but you will lose opportunities along the way too. So I think bringing the team on the journey with you is about having a vision because I like, I have had a vision. I always, I always have a vision, but being prepared to modify how you get there, and and if need be change your course a little bit because ultimately as a team you want to move forward as an organization you want to move forward have you ever been in a finance function that is perfect of course not family is perfect of course not so my one of my motives is I I do tell this to my team is as long as we're making progress and we're moving in the right direction I'm happy so being open and and willing to listen I think that's really important to bringing people on, on that journey.
0: So you, you've worked in different countries, mm-hmm. different industries. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, do you feel that you've had to ad- adapt your style of leadership according to where you've been?
1: That is a very interesting question because I remember when I started learning about the different personality styles, you know, the direct people and the analytical people and so on, one of the things they tell you there is you need to be aware of other people's styles so that you give them what they want or need to either influence them or manage them. So I suppose the book answer, the book answer to that question is yes, but the honest answer... <laughs> is not as much as the book says. And what I'm trying to say with that is that I am very aware of my personal style and I am aware of if there are elements of that that may become overpowering or, or counterproductive, I tone it down. But that doesn't mean I change totally. I am Susanna. I can't be any anyone else than who I am. So I think it's about remaining who you are but just toning things down depending on, on the context. And I don't think it's only about the country, it's about every organization and every team has a totally different culture. Mm-hmm. And so in some in some environments, you you just have to be more patient than in others, no? Or or at, at least that's what I, I think, that sometimes leaders come I in with a very a lot of pressure to deliver quickly. And you can cause quite a lot of friction within within the team. So it's managing almost like you're managing upwards and also managing downwards, but in different ways to get that balance.
0: Mm. Yeah. So a good finance leader.
1: Mm-hmm. Let's
0: let's assume we're talking about the, the CFO. Yeah. These days a, a CFO generally is the business co-pilot to the CEO. Yeah. Yeah. And what do you think makes a good co-pilot
1: so i think that partnership is 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 difficult to get right or at least in the way i have observed it in different organisations I, and I have, how i have lived it when when i've had that number one role i think if you go in many organizations, the finance leader is almost like the boogeyman that doesn't let you spend any money. And then what happens is that people I with a few of those. <laughs> <laughs> the people do all sorts of weird and wonderful loopholes, and they hide things from you, right? Mm. So if you go into the very purist or puritanical, uh, risk-minded. Uh, tick-boxing kind of leader, you will not bring you. You won't be a member of the team. So that would that think That's an, a sort of end of the spectrum that wouldn't be successful in terms of that co-pilot. Having said that, if you go all the way the other way, say, "Oh, don't worry, yes, yeah, sign that contract, yeah, let give them credit, yeah, don't worry," uh, then you're not doing your job correctly. So for me, a good co-pilot is about keeping that balance right uh, where possible or mostly because um, sometimes what's right today to report a good a good uh, result is not necessarily what's good tomorrow um, for risk management purposes um, and and it's, it's that balance and I think to get that balance are I suppose in general how I have approached my, my jobs and my relationships is about trust. If you can't really have an, a very open conversation with the CEO and, and share what you really think and and where that balance might be, uh, then you can't be a good co-pilot. And um, so yeah, I suppose is that I, being being balanced between those two ends of the spectrum mm. that you can take and being a, having a good solid personal and professional relationship with with that other key role within the organization
0: a good CFO will have developed general business skills and will know about much more than just finance so I suppose the question is, how does the, how does the prospective CFO start stepping away from the finance function and pick up those skills?
1: It can be really tricky. Um, I was very lucky, as I said earlier in the, in the conversation, there was a period in my life that I was an entrepreneur, so I learned a lot of the things that were relevant to the general uh, business environment on the job rather than out of the book. So, I suppose when I think of some of the people that I have worked with and people in my team, that's a big challenge, effectively, because they are so bogged down into delivering the the deliverables of finance that they don't often get the chance to peep into what's going on in the business. For me, I think it's a combination of, on one hand, your your natural personal curiosity about the business and, and looking for opportunities to understand how it works but the way to do that i think has to be through relationships within the business and i think i remember when i had the opportunity to uh, go on a um, on a development uh, program at densu called women and leadership mm. and at the beginning i when they invited me to join and it was the first year so it was sort of pilot year i thought oh, it's a bit sexist isn't it to go on a women and leadership program I'm tell, I tell you, it was transformational for me. I learned so much. And one of the things I learned on that course, and I wish I'd learned much earlier, is that to, to be successful in an organization and above all, to be successful as a leader or when you're growing, when you're ambitious in your career, it's all about relationship management and a stakeholder management. So if you think you can learn about the business or, or develop in your career without making time to connect with people throughout your organization in different departments, it's not going to work. So when I learned that, I I made sure I put in my diary one-to-ones with different people across the organization. So yes, perhaps I did a little bit less of what at the time I thought was my day job. But for me, there was a, a sort of the penny dropped that part of my job was also to build those relationships and to understand about the business, not just to deliver the PL or, or, or the, the variance analysis.
0: And that's it. I, mean, I can think of back working for ICI in the past. And being the business accountant for European plastics business and you'd turn up the business meeting every month and you'd you'd have your the finance slot and you'd go through the PL and as you say, the variance analysis and talk about cash flow and things like that. And it took a while really for me for the penny to drop that actually, no, that's that's not really your role as business accountant. Yeah? The marketing manager, the sales manager, they they really couldn't care what last month's PL said. Um, and I, 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 very quickly learned that I had to start finding out about what, what the problems were that were keeping them awake at night.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And
0: it was far more useful to go and talk to the, the, the sales director about the two or three customers that were fairly key to the business progressing forward with key sales accounts, but perhaps had some cash flow problems. And how do we manage the cash flow problems? How much credit do we give them? And talking to, to them about the financial angle of some very practical business problems.
1: I agree. But if you just stick to the day job, which is what I, we were sort of trying to get to, if, if you're an aspiring CFO that wonders how to really get that, it's, we're all told earlier in, in, in our career, you just don't have the commercial acumen, especially if, say, you come from... I started earlier in my career in operational finance, then I moved to um, reporting, so I did the different things. I remember my last hurdle, even quite late on in my career, is because I had all background of transactional uh, accounting and technical accounting. On paper, I just didn't have that... Uh, that golden commercial acumen Um, so how do you get commercial acumen I think you get commercial acumen by just spreading yourself in the organization and and getting out of that uh, the to-do list if you don't do that you just can't see what's behind the numbers and it's, it's almost like a very clinical exercise that as you said earlier nobody cares about
0: and just spending time talking to the other members of your business team, not because there's necessarily a, a finance problem that you've got to go solve with them, but just finding out what they're doing, what their current issues are, what are the current things that they've got to address. I think think makes a huge amount of difference. And, and like you, qualified as a chartered accountant, so qualified in practice, yeah. doing audit I did some well. accounts preparation, but then moved into and my first role in ICI was in internal audit. Okay, A little bit different because you started auditing not just the accounts, but you audited some of the internal controls mm-hmm. around. You got involved with some of the potential frauds that were taking place. That's the famous story of the ICI doors fraud. Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: Were, you, were you involved? Just in so that? long
0: ago, I can't even remember the details of it. But somehow on this particular modernization of a uh, an office block we managed to spend money on four times as many doors as there were actually offices in the building (laughs) Uh um but yeah you it takes a bit to step out And an awful lot of people we find in grow cfo have come up through that qualify with a pwc or so on move into industry become a financial controller, maybe then become a head of FP&A, maybe become the the head of finance. But all of that is around controlling the numbers, making sure the bills are paid, making sure the books are in order, producing the accounts on the right time. It's all very inward-focused and suddenly... Okay. I want to move on from being head of finance. I've, I've got to stop looking inwards at the finance function and I'm going to look, start looking outwards at the rest of the business.
1: And there are also other ways you can get some of that experience outside of your organization. For instance, one of the things I do is I volunteer uh, with a not in a charitable organization, the YMCA England and Wales. Yeah. I'm a member of the Finance Committee. So if you if, and there are there are people there that perhaps don't have the experience that I have. So earlier in their careers within a finance or the environment, that's a great opportunity to actually get to see what a board might talk about from a finance perspective in in this particular instance. But you you get to see more than just the the reported numbers and you might get to hear about I don't know challenges with managing premises and contracts or uh, guarantees and all sorts of or, or investment in surplus investment or surplus funds and oh I don't know. I just think that you need to look outside of your day job. And I think yes. now that we're we're talking about it in it and getting to the to the end of it I think it's about that it's about looking beyond your to-do list beyond your day job and thinking how can I um get a little bit a peep into what goes on into my own business or 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 or, or another business that maybe I don't know through family connections or or friends or uh, volunteering um because you have you have to slowly build on that otherwise you just you're just the bookkeeper, and, and that's not what we, we need to be if we are going to be a successful finance leader.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I think we've covered four or five really good points there, Susanna. I think point one was what makes a good finance leader. I think the first point that we made was you've actually got to know something about finance. Yeah. Uh, the second point, which I, I think was, was the really important one, was know your strengths and weaknesses. And play to your strengths and make sure you surround yourself with people that do the things, not necessarily that you're weak at, but things you don't like doing. Because you will excel at the things that you enjoy. Yeah. The third one was all about leadership as not just being the leader of the the numbers in the business, but you need to be a leader of people. Mm -hmm. Taking time out to work with your team to develop your team and to be a, a people person with a vision is very very important um then we talked about that partnership with the cfo very important to get that right
1: with a ceo
0: ceo yes yes because you are the cfo you can't have partnership with the cfo that would be a funny organization had two cfos wouldn't it <laughs> and Finally, take time to find out about the general business matters that are around. take time to talk to the rest of the business team, look outside of your own organization to get wider experience. And I think if you're following those five or six points there, Susanna, that's, that's a really good answer to that question of what makes a good finance leader.
1: Thank you, Kevin. I think you've done a fantastic
0: wrap-up, so well done. (laughs) (laughs) Susanna. thank you so much for being a guest today on the Grow CFO Show.
1: Thank you for having me, Kevin. A pleasure.